Welcome to episode 137 of the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Beth Bilo, and I am so glad that you're spending this time with me. If you're here in the United States and enjoying the Thanksgiving holiday, know that I am including you on the list of people that I am grateful for. Um, this past year and grateful in advance for you joining me on the journey next year too. We've talked a few times on this podcast about social media and the role that it plays in building a sustainable business for the introvert entrepreneur. My guest today helps us dig in a bit more, especially about how we can see LinkedIn as a platform that's not just for job seekers, but for any professional, including entrepreneurs, who wants to make meaningful connections. After our conversation, stay with me as I shift gears a bit and offer a few thoughts on how to take care of yourself, your introverted self, during the busy holiday season. So let me introduce my guest today, Sarah Sandacroce, and she started her first online business venture in 2008 as a virtual assistant. She was living in California at the time on an expat assignment and needed a location-independent business. She has since moved back to her home country of Switzerland and built a successful business as a LinkedIn trainer and consultant. After reading Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why, she realized that her true purpose is to help other introverts embrace who they are and scale their online business in order to make a difference using their introverted superpowers. You can learn more about Sarah and how to connect with her, as well as find links to her Introvert Island book selections and other resources mentioned in this podcast in the episode show notes at theintrovertentrepreneur.com slash podcast. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. It's a pleasure to be chatting with you today. Hi, Beth. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Well, what is making you smile today? Um, actually, two things. First of all, like I said, talking to you makes me happy. I'm so glad we connected and I had you on my podcast and now I'm here. So yeah. I'm super, super happy about that. And the second thing I'm happy about is that uh, this weekend I'm going to a concert with my husband, which has been, I don't know, probably at least 20 years that we haven't done that. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. Awesome. May I ask what the concert is? Yeah, uh, I don't even know the band, but I don't really (laughs) care. So my husband knows the band. They're called The Augustines. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he made me listen to the CD and I'm I'm okay with that. (laughs) (laughs) It's more about the experience of going and being together. Yes. Fun. Well, have a great time. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Let's set up some context for folks that are listening about where you feel like you fall on the introvert extrovert spectrum and how that has influenced your choices about how you live and work. Mm, Yeah. Okay. Um, I think I'm somewhere in the middle, I'd say, uh, of this introvert extrovert spectrum. I'm sure you've used, the, I, I think actually you've used the uh, term ambivert in your right. in your book as well. So that's kind of how I see myself. And I was just recently, I just recently took the Myers Briggs test again, and because I, you know, I always knew, yes, I'm definitely introverted, but I always thought, well, I'm going to take the test again. And I tested with uh, INFJ, mm-hmm. which apparently is like only 1% of the population is, is INFJ, which exactly. I had no idea that that was the case. So yeah. uh, uh, a lot of people are, I think, INF 
INTJ, which is thinking, and I'm more feeling. And apparently that also kind of, to me at least, that has to do with this ambi version. So kind of the the more feeling part is makes me you know very comfortable with people actually and i'm mm-hmm. people don't notice maybe that i'm an introvert because i'm you know i'm very much out there and talking to them and, and so the the social interaction is not i can definitely go into that role and i i have a lot of empathy for for people and so i think that kind of made all sense when i realized okay i'm an ambivert i'm definitely an inf so uh, a lot of feelings so I think that's where I am today and it always has been like that is Mm -hmm. that your cat it is (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm just letting her do it because I know that it's on separate tracks and it can be edited out (laughs) and and I I sort of can't hear her because I have on headphones but Oh, okay. Well, I heard her. She's definitely participating. <laughs> she def- she's very chatty. I'm sorry about that. I hope it's not distracting. <laughs> so how, how has that awareness influenced, like, maybe how you set up your business and do your work? Mm, yeah. So I I have these two separate businesses, as you know. So uh, on the one hand, I'm helping with uh, people with LinkedIn. I specialized in LinkedIn training. And um it's an online business, but I also do um, offline consulting and training here in Switzerland. And um, it definitely has influenced my my business uh, from that you know perspective. Because even though I I have this kind of ambiversion, but I still don't like networking events. So I've definitely built a business that can be done only online. Right. So that, um, you know, has a big influence on how I generate business, which is online and, and by producing articles and, and, and content and things like that. And I think I'm very lucky to live in a time where we can use those online resources because I don't mm-hmm. think I would have had the same success if I was a business owner who had to only relate on networking and schmoozing and, you know, being out there all the time. Yeah. So I think it has a big influence on my business. Yeah. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. I think there's probably been a, a boon of introvert entrepreneurs just because of the internet. Um, it, yeah. it, I'd be very curious if the internet hadn't come to be, well, what, number one, heaven forbid. But it's, you know, if, if, uh, if it wasn't there, I mean, I wonder what the percentage of introverts who were entrepreneurs and business owners was before all of the online resources came into being. Yeah, I I mean, I guess we had to kind of do what was expected of us, and it didn't feel as good. (laughs) So now we can just, like like you say, you know, create our, our own success or I can't remember exactly how you, you say it, but we decide how we don't want to do business. And if we don't want to do networking events, then we just don't. Yeah. And it's great. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot more choice. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate what you're saying about the INFJ. I'm, I'm, I'm one as well. Oh, um, look at that. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I, I hear you. And, and what I have read is that um, of all of the introverted types, we are if not the one, but one of the ones that is most often mistaken for an extrovert. Mm-hmm. And yeah. as you point out, it's most likely because of that that feeling piece that does help us to relate to and, and have that certain comfort with other people. So we're a little bit more of a people person, perhaps, yeah. Yeah. than some of the other letter combinations. 
Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because yeah. whenever I say I'm an introvert, people are like, what? You know, exactly. really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, I'm curious to turn to the cultural piece, which you, you mentioned that you're living in Switzerland. And I know you've also lived in the United States, in California. Mm-hmm. And what have you observed about what's different or similar about how introverts are perceived and how introvert friendly the culture is? Like, what have you noticed? Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite topics. I just <laughs> talked about this uh, on my podcast with, on an interview yesterday. So I have this theory that all the extroverts, when the first people left to build America or even to go to Australia, all the extroverts left Europe. <laughs> and now we're just a bunch of introverts left in, in Europe. I love and it. all the Americans are extroverts. Well, obviously, that's a generalization. But I definitely do think there's a big cultural difference between the U.S. and uh, and Europe. Mm-hmm. And um, the person I was talking to yesterday is, is based in Australia, and she thinks maybe it's not as strong in Australia as it is in the U.S., but it's definitely also more extroverted. Sure. And yeah, I, I think you know the same can be said about uh, Japan, which is is also considered very introverted. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely big, big, big differences in terms of yeah, introversion, extroversion. I think in Europe, it's not even a thing, you know, to, right. be, to be an introvert. It's like, what? Uh, you know, people don't necessarily label it like that because they just think, well, you're just, you're just you. I don't think mm-hmm. there's, there's such a thing as an introvert and extrovert. So um, to me, to, to experience that firsthand was very interesting. I think it was even more interesting because I experienced it for my kids, my my eldest son, which is even more introverted than, than I am. And he was having a very difficult time in, in the U.S. And mm-hmm. I remember that the kindergarten teacher, so he was just in kindergarten and, you know, kids are just kids at that age. Right. But, but the kindergarten teacher, she was also a psychologist. And she one day she kind of took me aside and she's like, I think your son might need some coaching. I don't think he's ever going to be a leader. He's, oh. you know, he's so, so quiet. And I'm like, oh, that's when, when I realized for the first time, wow, this is like very different. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, you know, when the, when years later, the, the book from Susan King came out, I'm like, wow, okay, now I understand mm-hmm. what's going on yeah. and why people are pushed to be extroverts much yeah. more than make up. Yeah. So the the teacher that that pulled you aside, um, that was pre 2012. <laughs> I'm assuming yes. then. Yeah. 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 And and you know the conversation was certainly happening before that. You know the introvert advantage had been published, and there were other resources, but it definitely wasn't in the mainstream. And I doubt that teacher would probably have that same assessment today. At least yeah. I hope not. <laughs> yeah, I, I would hope she would have read the book as well. Like, <laughs> yeah. Maybe there's. I think there's a big change going on in yeah. the U.S. right now. People are much more aware of of that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and and your your theory about the Europeans and um, the extroverts fleeing to to uh, found the new world, the new you know quote unquote the new world, that uh, you're making me also think that it was actually a couple of researchers in Great Britain that did a study where they were looking at the United States and figuring out like with the Big Five personality assessment, which of course includes introversion and extroversion, where different states fell on the spectrum. 
And mm-hmm. a lot of the most introverted states are in the West. Mm-hmm. And it kind of makes sense based on your theory, because if the extroverts came over, then they were settling on the East Coast. And then all the introverts who happened to be there were like, run away, oh run away. <laughs> Let's leave. You know, <laughs> Let's go to those vast open spaces in the West that are unsettled and uh, set up our own very spacious plots of land. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I'm sure there's, there's some truth to that. I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm positive. Yeah. Because what I also think is that um, introverts are not as risk friendly. Mm-hmm. So they, they're like, oh, let's just stay here. And all the extroverts are like, oh, no, let's, you know, let's start over. Let's take big risks and then move abroad. Uh-huh. Yes. Let's go into the unknown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I think the introverts here were like, they go into the unknown as long as there aren't any people there. Yes. Let's just be quiet. Yes. Let's be quiet about our migration. <laughs> oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, it's so interesting to, to think of all that. And I'm sure even as we speak, someone is working on flushing out all those theories because it's too interesting to uh, ignore. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. And I've never been to Japan, but I, I, I'm sure it'd be very interesting yeah. to analyze the you over there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, let's shift gears and uh, move from the world geography to the online geography of LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And because uh, that's, as you mentioned, that's one area that you have a great deal of expertise and focus. And again, as you said, it's such a great space, especially for introverts, because we can do a lot of networking without uh, leaving our leaving our um, comfort caves. So what are some tips or best practices that you can offer, particularly introverts, for using LinkedIn to network and to build their businesses? And I know that's a very broad question because that's your entire, (laughs) you know, that's Mm -hmm. what you spend lots of time talking about. So thanks for humoring me and just giving us a couple of uh, insights. Yeah, of course. Yeah. First, I'd like just to comment on on your uh, last show, which obviously uh, attracted my attention when you talked with uh, Thea, I think it yes, was, yes. about social media in, in, in general. And, and she she's helping um, introverts with social media. So I was very interested in hearing her advice. And, uh, and then, of course, what you said at the end of the podcast, I'm like, why are they not talking about LinkedIn? LinkedIn is the best platform for, <laughs> for introverts. Yeah, And so I, I just want to kind of give my perspective why I think LinkedIn is such a great platform for introverts. I really think it's the platform where I don't have to show off my life all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and I can just focus on business because that's what I'm doing. I, this is my job. I have my social life, but that's just, you know, me and my family and my best friends. So I don't always want to go on Facebook and show off my life and what I did this weekend and, you know, what I had for dinner and, and all of that. And I don't have to do that on LinkedIn. Right. So I just wanted to share that. That's um, a great distinction. Yeah. And, and if you did those things on LinkedIn, it would be frowned upon. Yeah. People would actually say, this doesn't belong here. Exactly. We don't care. Exactly. <laughs> and so uh, sometimes, you know, I have to push myself to actually do something like that on Facebook or I'm not even on Instagram and I I know I should be probably so people kind of get to see behind the scenes and not just see business Sarah but see Mm. you know personal Sarah Mm -hmm. but that's you know it's really hard for me actually to to go out there and, and share personal insights into my life. 
So um, anyway, but back to your question about, you know, how can you make the most out of networking through LinkedIn? I think what's important is to, um, first of all, understand that LinkedIn is not just for job seekers. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a big myth that people still think that LinkedIn, oh, you just on LinkedIn if you need a job. Well, no, it's not. Entrepreneurs are on LinkedIn and people who make money are on LinkedIn. And that's another big distinction between Facebook and, and LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, people are in a business mindset mm -hmm. and they want to do either partnerships or they want to hire you. They are looking for solutions for their business. Where on Facebook, that might be happening too, but you know, it's maybe 10% of all activity on Facebook or mostly on Facebook, you know, to just be social, mm -hmm. which is great uh, as well. But for business, uh, you know, LinkedIn is definitely the platform. So, right. so how do you, you know, do that as a as an entrepreneur? Well, the first thing is you really need to optimize your LinkedIn profile. Uh, Ninety nine percent of uh, LinkedIn profiles I see they look like a resume. And if you are an entrepreneur and you offer services, you need to have a LinkedIn profile that looks like a sales page. Mm -hmm. People need to understand what it is you do. They don't care what you did ten years ago. But they need to understand what it is you do today. So the profile needs to speak about the present and not the past. <laughs> so that's the, yeah, that's basically the key. It, it kind of mm -hmm. needs to read like your about page on your website. Yeah. In the first person, not the third person. Nobody does that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> thank goodness. for Thank you for clearing that up. <laughs> and then I think that what uh, really will make you stand out on LinkedIn is you, if you start personalizing invitations. Yes. So that I think that's the one platform. Yes, it's business oriented. Yes, it's a bit more sterile maybe, but that's also why you need to really personalize each invitation that you send out so that you can start building relationships. It's not like Twitter where you just follow people and they don't know you. If, if you want to get business out of LinkedIn, you need to invest in the relationships. And, and that starts by personalizing the invitations that you send out. Yeah. May I add something to that? Because um, I... I, I totally agree. And I um, really appreciate it when someone says, here's why I want to connect. And sometimes LinkedIn doesn't make it intuitive because they'll say, here are other people you might know. And if you click connect, it just sends an invitation. It doesn't give you that opportunity to personalize it. And I've accidentally done that a few times. And I'm like, oh, shoot, you know, that's not what I meant to do. So I'm curious if, if that is consistent with your experience or, or knowledge about that. And my feeling is like, you know, if you want to connect with somebody, actually go to their profile and click connect, because then it gives you that option to write a message. Am, yeah. I, am I on about that? Or is yeah, there... you're totally right. And LinkedIn doesn't doesn't help us with that. No, no, <laughs> they're, they're, they don't. You know, they're, they're not helping us at all. Um, recently, they've added, luckily now, they've added the possibility to uh, personalize on mobile as well. Oh, good. But it's okay. still not obvious. You still have to kind of try to figure it out. So it's yeah. uh, on the Android. I have an Android. It's I think it's at the top. There's three little dots, and you have to click on them if you want to personalize. <laughs> so, yeah, it's very... Mm -hmm unobvious on, on how to do right that, so. but what i hear is that it's worth it to do it <laughs> yeah definitely i don't blame people who don't do it because who told you nobody tells you so right exactly i think that's such a huge point because it's a place to connect and if we don't share 
our motivation for connecting, yeah. then I think we're missing opportunities. Yeah. It, it's just that the relationship never starts. People always tell me uh, I don't get anything out of LinkedIn. I just mm-hmm. connect with people, but then nothing ever happens. Well, it, it's up to you to make it happen and start that relationship somehow. Well, any what what else can we do to uh, make the most of it? I think what's important, I talked about optimizing the profile you know, how do you do that? Obviously, okay, the talk about the present, but I think the most important thing that most people get wrong is the title, mm. the headline, what describes you underneath your, your name. There's a field where you have to put in, you know, uh, what it is you do, or the, the, the issue is it says title. So what most people do there, they just take their business card and they look at it and say, it, and it says, owner at or director at. Mm. And those mm. are, very generic terms that, again, don't tell people what it is you do and how you can help them. Uh, That's the first thing. And the second thing, they don't show up in search results because people don't search on LinkedIn for director or, you know, owner. Mm -hmm. If they need a service provider, they will search for something different, like LinkedIn specialist, for example, right? Sure. And so people should be using their keywords in the headline and not generic terms like owner or director or things like that. Right. What What is your headline? Oh, good question. I change mine all the time, but I, I think it says something like LinkedIn trainer and specialist. I help you get clients on LinkedIn. I think that's what it says. Aha. Yeah. And it's that I help you get clients on LinkedIn. That seems like a, a true differentiator. Yeah from all the rest of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it's, it tells them exactly, okay, I need this person, or if they're not interested, mm-hmm. they, they also know that they don't need me, but at least it, it's very clear, it's very specific. Yeah, I work uh, with coaches, and it hurts me so much when I just see coach, you know, <laughs> in, their, in their headline, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure you deal with that too. It's like, well, you know, coach in what? You could be a football coach for all of right. So right. tell me a bit more, you know, what's your expertise? Are you a life coach? And even in life coaching, there's so many different areas. Yes. Um, so give me some more details. Yeah. And and before we move on to uh, my next question, I have to hook into what you just said. You change your headline a lot. Is that a strategy? Um, it can be if you want to use it strategically, like if you you know, add new things. For me, it's just kind of something that I do because I I give many trainings and then sometimes I just kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, make it fit to the training I give that day. Uh Doesn't help, I would say, in terms of, you know, showing up more in search results. But some people, you know, they make just a small change and then their whole network is notified. So so that would not mm-hmm. be the great technique. It's better to publish content or share content if you want visibility to your profile. So there's better ways than to just changing your headline all the time. Right. Absolutely. Well, thank you for for, uh, giving us some context on that, because I could see somebody saying, well, if I change it, then my network will be notified and I'll show up more. But it seems like that could get obnoxious, (laughs) right? Yeah. No, that would be weird if you change. Yeah. I actually have it on don't notify my network. Yes, exactly. Because I don't want to notify (laughs) every time I make a change because they'd be thinking, I think she has an identity crisis. (laughs) Exactly. An identity crisis. (laughs) Excellent. Well, I noticed on your, now this is on the, um, the introvert biz growth 
podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, you one of the um, giveaways that you have, I think, is talking about the power of the word no. Yes, <laughs> and, and I sense that you have a lot of energy around that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like it is definitely one way that introverts can reclaim their energy. So, how can we tell when it's time to say no? And what are a couple of ways that we can do that gracefully? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's funny because I, I hear a lot of people say, oh, you should always say yes. And, and, and yes, it's much more positive to no. Mm-hmm. But what I noticed in terms of my energy, and I think a lot of introverts struggle with the same, is that we tend to say yes too often. And because also maybe because we have a lot of empathy for others, and we always want to make sure that they're okay and there's harmony and, and, you know, please others. And so I think it's very important for introverts to learn how to say no. And how can you do that gracefully? Well, it's quite a learning process, actually, to say no gracefully without feeling bad. And, And in my giveaway, I came up with some different templates, basically, on on how to do that. And and one of them, for example, includes a script from Marie Forleo. So she has a great video on on how to say no uh, when people want to just pick your brain. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I included that script. And basically it says, if I don't have time to have coffee with my mom, I'm I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to refuse this this meeting or this this request. And so that's kind of a you know joking way to just say, look, I have uh, my my plate is too full right now. I have to focus on my projects. And um, sorry, I can just not commit right now. Mm-hmm. So it has a lot to do with refocusing and knowing that what you're working on and that your time is just so valuable that you're going to have to say no to many projects that come your way. And even if you wanted to participate in them, you just can't because otherwise you're going to pay for it because your introverted energy is just is going to run out Mm -hmm. and then just don't have, yeah, you just don't have the energy anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like when we say yes to something, we're saying no to something else. And oftentimes that no is to our taking care of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 so right. And and then you feel frustrated because you're not doing anything right. Mm-hmm. Because you know, you mm-hmm. you you say yes to others, but that kind of means saying no to your projects and and then you just feel very frustrated because you're not advancing and you're not doing anything right anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it it seems like you ought to write a, a book that is um the the opposite. I think it's Shonda Rhimes that wrote uh, My Year of Yes. And you could write my year of no. Yeah, that's what, what was <laughs> my year of no. <laughs> that's exactly who I was thinking about before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, my I'd year love of to no. hear that. We're almost up to a new year, so you'd have a clean calendar year, and then you could come back here on the podcast in uh, January of 2018, and <laughs> we can <laughs> tell you all about my year of no. Yeah. Exactly. I hope that happens. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not easy, as you know, no. because. Because you, yeah, it's hard for introverts, I think, especially INFJs, to mm-hmm. to hurt other people's feelings. And and to me, it feels like that, as if I was hurting them. Yeah. Maybe they don't. They don't even care. They're just going to ask somebody else. But exactly. to me, it's yeah, it feels difficult. Yeah, it's it's personal somehow. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, so now you've got me thinking about where can I say no, <laughs> where I might have said yes. And, and that makes, you know, it makes the yeses more powerful. Yeah. When we learn how to have both of those words in our vocabulary. So it's, um, that's a powerful piece. Thank you for, thank you for being that advocate for us. So I want to wrap up our conversation with a question that I ask all my guests and here I'm, I'm waving a magic wand. You have been given an all expense paid three week vacation on introvert Island and you can only take three books with you. What would you take with you and why? Okay. Um, well, the first one has a lot to do with saying no as well, mm. uh, because it's Essentialism by Greg McCowan, I think it's pronounced. Mm-hmm. Uh, great book. Yeah, I have that on my Kindle and I plan to reread it um, again um, Yeah, sometime soon because it's really a great book. Yeah, it, it, it's all about saying no and going back to essential things in your life. So nice. definitely recommend that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of a business book, life and business, but but very business oriented. Then I would also bring just a good novel, Eat, Pray, Love by mm-hmm. Liz Gilbert. I really uh, like that book. And um, I read the the chapter again when I was in Italy, um, <laughs> the Italy chapter. Yes. It's just, it's so great. Yeah, like that a lot. And then the third one would be uh, Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I'd have to take more though in three weeks. I, I get through these books quite fast, so <laughs> I think I would have to have some more in my uh, suitcase. Yeah, very good. Well, um, so how can people get in touch with you, Sarah, and learn more about Simplicity Small Biz as well as the Introvert Biz Growth Podcast mm-hmm. and your other offerings? Yeah. Okay. So there, my website is sarahsanacroce.com. That's where the introvert. This growth podcast is also hosted and otherwise for the LinkedIn stuff, it's simplicitysmallbiz.com. And uh, of course you can invite me on LinkedIn, but make sure to customize the, uh, the invitation <laughs> as you've learned. Exactly. <laughs> so I'd be happy to connect with you. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. It's been, um, it's been great fun chatting with you. I love this wide ranging conversation. We touched on a lot of different things and, uh, and I really appreciate you spending your time and sharing your expertise with us. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Before you move on to your next thought, Take a few minutes to reflect or take some notes about the conversation that I just had with Sarah. What was the most important point that you want to remember? What's one thing that you can do to make your LinkedIn profile, or for that matter, any of your social media profiles, more effective? How do you feel about the things you're saying yes to in your life? And where would a no provide you with some relief? I invite you to consider these questions, especially before the craziness of the holidays takes over. And speaking of that craziness, I want to take a few minutes right now to share with you a few holiday socializing tips. And invite you to remember, introverts can enjoy a good party if, and only if, we have a chance to take care of ourselves before, during, and after the event. Here are nine of my favorite suggestions that might help make it all a little bit less stressful and more fun for you as we go forward into this, uh, what is seems to be the biggest of party seasons. One, if possible, 
leave open and preferably alone time before and after the party. Give yourself a chance to store up some energy and then decompress when it's over. So know that if you're going to be at a party for a couple of hours, you might need four hours before and four hours after, you know, kind of know what your socializing to solitude ratio is and make sure you take care of that and honor it. Number two, remember, it's a celebration and there's no pressure to perform. Just be yourself. Talk when you feel like it. Listen when you don't want to talk. You don't have to fake it. Just smile and relax and stay for as long as you're enjoying yourself and then leave when you're ready. Three, and this helps with leaving when you're ready, think twice before carpooling. It could be one way to ease into social interaction, or it could drain you before you even get to the party. If you want control over when you arrive, and most importantly, when you leave, drive yourself or take public transit. Number four, try to show up on the early side so that the crowd and noise and activity is a little less intense. It's easier to have a conversation or to pitch in and help the host with getting things ready, and it warms you up to the room and to the people and to the event. And that way, it's not as much of a shock to your system when you show up and you walk into a loud, crowded room of people already having conversations. Five, don't feel like you have to stay the entire time. Tell yourself you'll give it 30 minutes or some other reasonable length of time, then check in with yourself about how you feel. Give yourself permission to leave if you feel like it, but most likely you'll end up staying a little bit longer because you will have warmed up to the room. Six, have a few conversation starters ready so that small talk comes more naturally. For instance, here are a few questions. What are your plans for the holidays? Are you traveling? Do you make New Year's resolutions? If so, what's on top of your list? What was the best part of 2016 for you? Since the year end and the new year is naturally a time of reflection for most people, it's a really good opportunity to ask deeper questions without seeming weird. Seven, take breaks during the gathering. Find a quiet room that you can slip away to, use the bathroom as your refuge, go outside for a few minutes if that's an option. Eight, Volunteer for a role. Help to make name tags or distribute wine glass charms or take some photos. Offer to greet people when they come in and hang up their coats. Think of any role that you can give yourself or that the host can give you that gives you an opportunity to easily interact with a lot of people without adding that stress of small talk. And finally, nine, generate some internal energy. Not fake, but real internal energy. This is part of like kind of pulling on the part of you that might be naturally extroverted. Do a power pose for 20 seconds. And if you're not familiar with the power pose, um, you can watch Amy Cuddy's uh, TED Talk, where it's basically you stand with your feet sort of firmly planted on the ground and shoulder width apart. Square your shoulders and, and stand up tall. Put your hands on your hips and your chin out to the horizon. And uh, in marching band, we used to call that give them L because you should be able to take your index finger and your thumb and in an L shape and put it under your chin and uh, touch your collarbone. And that's kind of the angle that your, your head is up. And take a few deep breaths and notice that cortisol, you, you're not going to necessarily notice this specifically, but what's happening is that cortisol, which is your stress hormone, decreases when you're doing this. And testosterone, which is kind of your empowerment hormone, will start to increase. 
So give yourself some of that internal energy by doing that power pose for maybe even 20 seconds and do some deep breathing and do some stretching. Get the blood flowing and the breath moving through your body. And try this before the party for sure. During the party, I wouldn't suggest doing it in the middle of the room with everyone watching, but slip away to that spare bedroom or to the bathroom or a quiet hallway and even do it afterwards if you feel like, especially if afterwards you're expected to do something else, like you still have interaction to do or you're going to another party, heaven forbid. Uh, but, you know, whatever, whenever you need to do it, make sure that you um, take a little bit of time to kind of inject some of that energy. And I hope those tips help you um, have an enjoyable and less stress holiday season. As we approach the end of the year, I have two reminders for you. First, if you're looking for the perfect gift for the introvert entrepreneur or professional in your life, look no further than my book, The Introvert Entrepreneur, Amplify Your Strengths and Create Success on Your Own Terms. The contents of the book apply not only to small business owners, but to anyone who has an entrepreneurial role within a larger organizational setting. It's also perfect for the budding entrepreneur who's planning to make the leap into entrepreneurship in 2017. You can order your copy online through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, or through your independent bookseller. And you probably are also going to find it in a few brick-and-mortar stores as well. And basically, you can get the copy wherever fine books are sold. It's available as a soft cover, an ebook, and an audiobook edition. Second, the new year is an ideal time to inject more action and accountability into your business, no matter if you're in the middle of overwhelming challenges or amazing opportunities. I've added times to my online calendar to make it easy to schedule time to chat with me about coaching. You'll find that link on my website, theintrovertentrepreneur.com. I've also included the link in the episode show notes. A very special thank you. Um, gratitude, as always, to Paul Messing, my podcast producer, and my assistant, Naja, who provides the episode show notes. And you can find those show notes at theintrovertentrepreneur.com. Thank you so much for joining me for this 137th episode. I hope you found it time well spent. And if you did, I would invite you to take a few minutes and leave a review on iTunes or even share this episode with your colleagues and friends and family. I really appreciate you helping to pass the word and broaden the circle of influence so that more people can uh, take advantage of the information that's offered here. This is Beth Bilo of The Introvert Entrepreneur. And until we meet again, remember that success is an inside job.